what, what I say all the time is purposefulness and intentionality. Um, it, it's one of those things that as I as I look at the church and, and I love the church, it's, it's God's bride. It's it's how, how and why are we doing what we're doing? And I think specifically in the mission context, um, we're, we're, by God's grace, a, a large church. And we've got mission opportunities all over, whether that's local or even the United States and even global. And it's why are we doing what we're doing? Welcome to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Shane McKeska. Shane is the missions minister at Central Baptist Church in College Station, Texas. But before that, Shane and his family served as missionaries in Indonesia and the United Kingdom. And this gives Shane an important perspective as he helps shape the missions efforts of Central Baptist Church. I asked Shane if there was a specific moment when he knew he was being led to transition from missionary to missions pastor. Yeah, so I man, that's a tough one because it is it is not a moment. It is really like my wife and I um, seeking the Lord, just praying. Um, Literally, literally asking God, God, where are you leading us? What does this look like? I'm ready to jump back on a plane, get back overseas right this second. We're going to help plant a church in, in, in Ireland. And um, and it was literally just come before the Lord, God, we are your servants. We want to do what you've called, me, called us to. My wife goes and uses this story all the time, talking about the Old Testament. We don't want to be like the Israelites that are wondering and saying, um, I don't trust you. I'm going to lean on my mm. own understanding. I'm going to do this by myself. We want to be those faithful um, children of God that are like, God, you're in control, even though it doesn't make sense sometimes. Again, what made sense to my wife and I was getting back on a plane and going back overseas. What didn't make sense was staying here in the United States of America, specifically Texas, specifically um, taking on a role as a missions pastor in a local church. Um, while, again, we can do that, we love the local church. We've been blessed by the local church. Um, to transition to that was was almost kind of like our calling to go overseas 15 years ago. It, it was just mm. this, this, this time with God and, and understanding of, of where God was leading us, how he was leading our family. And, and I think we have four sons. And so looking at our sons and wrestling with this um, process or wrestling, wrestling through this process with them and, and just hearing their feedback and hearing where we were. And, and we just knew that there's, there's an exciting thing happening, I guess, in the local church. And, and one of the things that we are so excited about is to mobilize the church to live on mission for Christ. Um, mm. And it's not like the local church hasn't been doing that. It's not like the local church isn't currently doing that. It was, where is God going to lead us in that um, opportunity to be a part of a local church um, and to lead them to live on mission. Um, and, and, I, and I look at that and, and my wife and I are still blown away by that opportunity, by that um, ability to just come alongside the church and to lead them. So I guess go back to that process. Uh, really, it was literally just 
fasting and praying and um, crying out to the Lord. And I'll be honest, it wasn't always pretty. Um, it was mm-hmm. literally like, God, I, you know my heart. I want to get on a plane. And yet at the same time, <laughs> it, it was the, the same same Lord that you know when you're on the mission field and you're knowing you're back here in the States on stateside and furlough. God, I am your servant like lead me, give me wisdom, give me discernment, give me understanding. And he led us to stay. Um, and who knows how long uh, we, I, I tell, I was very clear with the church here um, that uh, this is a, this is a funny story. It's a side note, but when my interview process with this particular church, um, we, we, I was, I was meeting with their kind of their missions committee um, after I'd met with the staff mm-hmm. and other people. And um about an hour into this conversation, just talking about my heart, my, my plan, my vision, um, some of our experiences overseas. And one of the guys was kind of looking at me, kind of laughing. And he was like, so it sounds like you really like missions, like, like super, like, <laughs> I mean, like you like it so much that you're like, you may go back overseas, like soon, like what's to keep you from like, what's to keep you here? And I'm laughing kind of as he's asked this question. Cause again, I wasn't necessarily prepared for that specific question, but it's just right. part of who I am and how God's wired me. And, and I, and I, and I looked at that whole group and I said, nothing. Um, I was like, I, I am here. This is where I think God is calling us to. I said, but that same God, if he calls me to go back overseas tomorrow, I will literally pack my bags and go. And they were kind of looking at me and they were kind of like, I think that might be the right answer. It's not the way to answer an interview question. I promise you. (laughs) Do what what God wants you to do and faithfully serve. I think that's right. I don't think I like it, but I think that's right. And so all that to say, like it it is, it has not been necessarily a easy transition. We want to call it easy. It's been awesome. The church has been phenomenal, but I think for my family and I, um, we are just, we're just trying to be faithful. And, and, And that's what I'd say to every single Christian, like be faithful to God, do what God's calling you to do. And so for us, right, this season is to stay here in the States, to faithfully serve him in a missions pastor role at the local church. And I can't tell you how excited and what a blessing that is for me to come alongside the local church. And that is where God has called me at this moment. And it's awesome. And I, and I, and I'm super excited what that's going to look like and how God's going to use us for that. That's fantastic. Now, uh, you're just transitioning into this role. It's very new for you. And so that's both an exciting time and a scary time uh, as you do this. But you bring to the this position something extremely valuable, and that is 15 years of experience having served as a missionary in a foreign context. So as you think forward into the future there, um, what are some of the biggest principles that you're bringing back with you that you want to integrate into how you guys do missions uh, over there at Central? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those questions that absolutely matters um, in the sense of how do you do missions? Um, what, what are you going to go back to that process of them, them asking me, I, I told them in the interview process, I was like, if you're looking for a guy to run your short-term mission teams, like that's, I'm not your guy. Like, it's just not me. Um, that is a part of my job. I, we, I, I love short-term missions. Um, God used that in my own life to get me mm-hmm. to the nations and to have a, uh, an affection for peoples and people groups and God's people globally. Um, 
But at the same time, my desire, and I said this earlier, but is to help people to live a life of mission. And that's with your neighbors, that's with your coworkers, that's with your family members. Um, that's just in your daily life and walk with the Lord. Um, and, and so anyway, going full circle to, to kind of where we're at, like having served 15 years on the mission field and then coming back to the local church, um, I think by God's grace, it's given us a different perspective. Um, and, and I guess, as you would imagine, of course, that's true. But I think at the same time, over the last couple of weeks, I mean, I literally, I, I've, I've been full time and just one for just one month, <laughs> but I'm currently talking wow. to all of our missionaries that we, we support through Central. And uh, um, uh, actually, as of today, I will actually meet um, on, a, on a Zoom or a call with almost all of them except for one. And and, and it's just a different, it's a different perspective because I, I know what they're going through. I, I know what that language transition is like. I know what it's like to move a family. I know what it's like to wrestle through schooling um, for your kids. And is this right? Is this wrong? And all those questions we have, because we can assume it may be better back in our home country. It might not be, but we can mm-hmm. assume, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. But having <laughs> experienced that and lived that firsthand, I think it gives me a, a, a different kind of, at least for that support role with our missionaries, a, a contact and a context in which to um, love them and support them and, and help the church get that. I think another thing that 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 hopefully I can um, bring to the church is is also um, what what I say all the time is purposefulness and intentionality. Um, it, it's one of those things that as I as I look at the church and and I love the church. It's it's God's bride. It's it's how, how and why are we doing what we're doing? And I think specifically in the missions context, um, we're, we're, by God's grace, a, a large church, and we've got mission opportunities all over, whether that's local or even the United States and even global. And it's sure. why are we doing what we're doing? Um, we've had a lot of ministries that per se we've been doing for 20 plus years. And it's not that we're literally stopping those or or not continuing those. It's literally asking those questions. Okay, what does that practically look like? Um, why are we doing this ministry? Do we need to tweak it some? Or actually, is it is it functioning great? And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I just think fresh eyes coming into anything kind of gives that that ability to actually question and actually raise awareness. And so one of the things I'm doing right now is is trying to meet with our church. And what I mean by church, all of them um, as best as I can to figure out, okay, are there gaps? And actually, how do we fill in some of those gaps? And then also, like, I don't think we really have a whole lot of clarity in why we do what we do. We're just kind of like hodgepodge. We're, we're just doing this. We're doing that. We're reaching out here. I mean, even yesterday, um, I mean, if we've, we've seen some of the disaster stuff that's happening in Kentucky, we've got a family here that's literally from that one of those areas that was just hit, wiped out a whole town. Mm, so yesterday, yeah. Sunday, we announced it at the church and just mobilized just stuff. Um, literally diapers and water and and, and, right. and stuff for kids, clothing. And so the church came together, dropped it all off, and we literally sent that family out um, to go to Kentucky, mm. where this lady is from, to just bless this community. And so it's right. one of those things that, that excites me because we're a church that is able to do those kind of things quickly. But it goes back to that bigger vision vision of, okay, why are we going to this country? Do we do we have a purpose with this people group? And so one of those things of just being able to, to ask a lot of questions, hopefully rightly. Again, uh, it's one of those things I mm-hmm. – it's not that I get in trouble for, but it's uh, – I'm definitely known in just one month um, – Yep. If uh, Shane's not in that staff meeting, it's kind of a little bit more quiet. Shane has a lot of questions. Um, and so I'm, I'm wrestling right now if that's good or bad. I don't know. Well, the only time. But, uh, but I'm questioning a lot currently. Um, 
but 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 hopefully it's a freshness and not a. Uh, I'm not questioning what you're doing and why you're doing it. Other than I want us to be doing what God's calling us to. I, I want what we do for God's glory and for God's purposes, not because we've always done it this way or not because we we assume that this is good. Um, I really want to ask some of the tough questions. And so I think, I think going back to having served on the mission field, it just gives us oftentimes a different perspective of, of working with other people groups, uh, of seeing different politics in play, uh, mm-hmm. of different peoples that that live in a different context that don't worry about the same things that we worry about, that, that live in a context and actually do church in a way that looks very different than the way that we do church. And so it's it's this this understanding of hopefully asking questions in order to probe our hearts to is this where God's leading us um, and, and really focus on that rather than just programatizing everything mm-hmm. we do. And I, and I think we've done that a lot in missions. That's great. You know, you you talk about how you told you the the, uh, the 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 church as you were in the interview process that if they just wanted somebody to come in and launch a bunch of short term ministry trips, that while you vi- understand the value and you appreciate those and you want to be a part of having those trips, that's not your main focus uh, with it. But at the same time, you've also you know spent a lot of time training people effectively on what short term missions looks like mm-hmm. um, with that. So, what are some of the lessons that you've taught that can help churches here in the U.S. who are trying to develop sort of a short-term missions um, element to their, their missions program. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I mean, I said this briefly, but part of, part of my uh, call to the nations has been through short-term mission trips. And so I think it's one of those things I use this phrase all the time. I think they're priceless. Um, Sometimes we Mm -hmm. wrestle through, you know, if we just wrote a check to this missionary or to this um, like local pastor in said country, then they'll be better off than us buying all these plane tickets and uh, doing all this training and sending all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The problem with that kind of mentality is, what God does in the individual heart as you jump on that plane and, and head over to another country and to engage in a people group that's not your own and to, to engage and to work and to do ministry and to allow God work in your heart is priceless. And, and so I love short-term mission trips for that, that purpose. I, th- I think the other thing was one of the things that I've uh, – anyway, this started years and years and years ago. This is probably even back when I was in college is, is wrestling through. I was doing some support raising myself for short-term missions. I had done a summer mission, mission trip um, to Europe and, um, and really wrestling. And, and I think this is a God thing, but I was really wrestling with, okay, I'm literally asking family members, people in the church, um, some, some supporters of me and my life to give money so that I can go and do missions for this summer. And one of the right. things that kind of struck me is like, am I sacrificing as an individual? And I think one of the challenges that I have, and I had this for this church and I would have this for, I had this for all the interns that serve with us overseas is I try to challenge people all the time. Hey, tell your young, oftentimes we work with students, but tell that young person to make sure they're giving up something too, if they're going to support race. And so maybe that's a coffee, maybe that's a coffee once a week. I mean, coffee now is insanely expensive, but let's say it's $5. (laughs) Let's keep numbers simple. Let's say that's $5. In one month, that's 20 extra bucks that they're personally sacrificing. And so if they're gearing up six months in advance, they're saving 20 bucks here and 20 bucks there. And and maybe it's a meal. And and again, I I, I take another approach to this too. Hey, during that time, if you're going to, if you're going to use that price or cost that you would use for that meal, pray during that time, fast during that time, Mm -hmm. seek the Mm -hmm. Lord, 
specifically for this mission trip, because the goal of the mission trip, there's a component in which that's also for you to literally allow God to work in your heart. Whether you ever go and serve as a faithful long-term missionary in the future, or whether that's God's called you back in your hometown and you're in this place where you work and where you serve, but hopefully God stirs your affections and stirs your heart to literally know, okay, I served over here in this country. I served on this mission trip and God did something in me to just open my eyes, to open my heart for his uh, mission, for his desire for me to bring him glory in all that I do. So, so I think, so I think it's, it's, it's one of the things we do is we've got to challenge um, our, our, our church and our people that are going out to literally not just send out letters for money, but personally sacrifice themselves that they're giving to their own quote unquote mission trip or, or missions. I, I think, I think one of those other things as well is when I look at the church and I think about short-term missions, I really want the church to just wrestle with why they're going. Um, right. and, and I'm not convinced. I think, I don't even know how to answer this. Um, <laughs> But 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 I think some people in the church um, are just going to places and they don't know why. Um, and it, and 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 again, I served in London, England, um, and and that's that's a place where a lot of churches would be like. And and we heard this all the time. Uh, why are you in London, England? Like you want us to send a mission? <laughs> Right, English there. Aren't there churches on every corner? Um, Didn't the gospel kind of spread from there to the nations? Um, And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. Um, But the reality is London specifically, a a place of that's 330 or 330 different languages are spoken there. Mm, Wow. Where um, people just like a large part of the world, they don't know their left hand from their right hand. Um, There is an apathy in Europe. uh, It's a word I use all the time that Mm -hmm. there's a a, a great quote out there. When I was trying to get a heart for Britishness and and Europeans, and that's a a longer story. We can talk about that another time. But but just wrestling with why are we in Europe? Why are we as full-time, quote-unquote, missionaries in Europe and specifically a British context? I came across this quote. It's written by an English anthropologist called Kate Fox, not a Christian, but she writes this little section on religion. And she writes this. She says, we're not a country of atheists, nor we agnostics, because both of those require a degree of interest in whether or not there's a deity enough to Mm. reject or question the notion. Most people just aren't interested or bothered about Mm. it. Jesus. And when I read that, it just struck this, this heart of God chord in me. These people need Jesus. Um, Mm. because they, they, yeah, you tell them you're a Christian. Great. Um, they're not bothered by that. You tell me you're a Muslim. Great. They're not bothered by that. There's just this apathy. And I think America, we're there. We're we're already there, whether we like to admit it or not. And so you talk Mm. to your neighbors, you talk to your coworkers. um, There is this apathy and how are we going to engage with the gospel? And I'll be honest, that's a hard place to engage the gospel. Anyways, going full circle to to short-term missions. I, I just think the church it doesn't matter where you're going on your mission trip, but are we asking the questions? What are we doing? How are we serving? Are we connecting with those missionaries or those church planters or those national pastors, those national leaders, that national organization, whatever that is at your context in which you're going and asking those simple questions. Okay, what are we doing? Again, things change. Don't get me wrong. You gotta be flexible, but, but are we actually starting there as a church this is why we're going on this short-term mission trip, um, and, and this is what we want to see happen, and we want God to use us 
for his glory. Apathy is such a tough challenge that all churches face, not just in missions, but overall. But Shane makes an important point when he says that we need to understand why we're doing what we're doing and then clearly communicate that to our church so they've moved past apathy and into engagement. We'll continue our conversation with Shane after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end, and it starts with hope. Hope is a vision for a better future, a way to get there, and the courage to try. And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org slash partnership. One of the most interesting parts of Shane's ministry while serving in the United Kingdom was his work with university students. I asked him how that is helping him reach students in College Station. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's, it's one of those things. We are blessed. Um, Texas A&M University, Blinn College right here. Um, I don't know exact numbers now, but yeah, over 75,000 plus students in this town. And it's one of those things as we've worked over there, we worked in Manchester and London specifically a lot with university students. Uh, one is specifically international students. And I would challenge this to, to every American church um, that's that has context of university students or college students or junior college students um, in your town is how do you reach out to specifically some of those international students in your town? Um, so our eyes being overseas, we naturally um, connected with some of the international students because um, however you want to look at that, I'm an international myself when I go on a plane and live overseas. Right. And so while I spoke English in in, in Britain, um, as soon as I open my mouth, they realize I do not speak the Queen's English. Um, I speak a little bit more Texan. Um, and so all that to say that we were foreigners in one sense. And so having this affection, this heart, as we're we're meeting people from from the Middle East and meeting people from Africa, meeting people from China and, and all of South Asia and, and from even um, like the Philippines. Um, like it was amazing for us just to have a natural kind of compassion and love for them. So it goes back to the States and we look at our, our churches and our churches that, that have the privilege of being close to universities. And I would challenge our churches, are we reaching out to international? So one of the things that we're specifically doing here is we are engaging international students. Um, one of the things we do is we actually pass out Bibles on campus. So we've got Bibles in Farsi and Arabic and French and German, Spanish. Um, we literally go once a week to the campus and physically pass out Bibles to students. It mm-hmm. is a phenomenal 
phenomenal ministry um, that just gets the Bible um, in the hands of, of students on campus. Uh, we did this in London. It wasn't even my ministry. I partnered with a local ministry that was doing this exact same thing in London, and, and we were passing out Bibles constantly. Here's, mm-hmm. here's a crazy thing. I don't really like being on the streets, passing out literature, Bibles. I love Bibles. That's just weird to me. I'm a relational guy to the core. Um, I want to sit at a coffee shop and chat with you over a a great cup of coffee. Um, I want to invite you into my home and do ministry. I I love to cook, uh, definitely in in Britain. Um, I had my smoker there because I'm a good Texan. And so smoking brisket, pulled porks and all that. Like I I want to bring you in my home. I want to do relational, what I call relational life on life approach to um, getting the gospel to you, making disciples. Um, and so putting me on the streets and passing out a Bible is not my thing. But yet, <laughs> because of other faithful missionaries and Christians and churches coming alongside them, it has been a joy and privilege to see God work in that way. So that's one thing. Another thing that, that our church specifically we're trying to do is, is we want to get international students in our homes. Um, it's one of the sad realities. It's the same thing in the United Kingdom as it is here in the United States of America, that these international students are coming. They would love to have an American meal in mm-hmm. our homes. And then how amazing would that be if that's a Christian's families home that literally, and I, and I tell people all the time, like, don't be afraid of a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Sikh or an agnostic or an atheist be you. So I yeah. we have four boys. We pray before we eat. So when mm-hmm. I have people in my home from all these different backgrounds, we literally pray in Jesus name at my table. Um, and you know what? Not a single one of us ever cared. I think probably at least for the Muslims, <laughs> The other ones, they actually probably respect me a little bit more because I care right. about my God. I care about um, Jesus and, and I'm not ashamed to talk about him because I think sometimes right. they think that we Christians are kind of like closet Christians. Oh, yeah, mm. you do that church thing, but yet then you do all these pagan things. No, I'm unashamedly Christian and, and here's what it looks like. I'm not perfect, but here's a, some of the things that we do. And I try to teach my boys um, what it looks like to, to know God and to serve God. And so again, this is where it goes back to challenging the local church, um, bring students into your home. Um, again, I, I, I'd say on a contextual piece, uh, do a little research. Um, so if you have Muslims in your home, probably don't cook pork, um, have Hindus in your home, probably don't cook beef. Um, a, we've had, we've had a good idea. Learn, yeah, we've had to learn what that looks like and how to do that. We've had tons of vegetarians that have come to our home. We've had tons of, of people that, again, don't eat certain kind of foods. And so we, and it's one of those things, I think. I think you just flat out ask them ahead. Are, are there any like dietary choices yeah, that we need we, to be aware we, of? Yeah, and that we, kind of thing? we do ask a lot of times, but then also times we just make we make sure that as we're making those meals, we have both. Like we have, especially yep. we know a lot of times having lived in, in Indonesia for a long time, if you don't provide rice, then those people don't eat. Like they're like, they go home mm. hungry. It's weird. I, I remember, I remember we were in Indonesia and I cooked this elaborate, I'm talking about, I had steaks, <laughs> I had brisket, I had chicken, I had potatoes. I had, it was American feast. My I'm coming to your house, man. Walked away starving because they're like, "Where's the rice?" And I was like, "What rice? Oh, we don't do rice with our Texas barbecue." Like, what are you talking about? They eat rice every meal, and so I mm. had to learn 
Okay, let's provide rice. Rice is nothing. Just put it on the side. You'll be good with actually most of the world. Um, so, so, so all to say, it's one of those things like just challenge the church. Again, if, if, if you're a missions pastor, if you're you're a person at your local church, uh, again, yeah, do a little bit of research, but just have different things. Have a vegetarian option. Ha- have have some sides. Uh, again, most of the time, that's kind of how we would say have our food out there. The briskets on one side, the rice is on one side, the green beans are another. So they can make their own plate rather than kind of putting it all together. And it's been awesome. It's been an absolute blessing. I think one other thing, when we think about um, kind of our experience working specifically with university students overseas, um, it's, it's, this is a side story, but it's when my wife and I are at the grocery store, and you're walking down that that aisle and you see that person just kind of staring intently at those cans or that package or that whatever. We will now stop and be like, hey, can I help you? What are you looking for? Um, and so it's one of those things that, as as just a, a Christian human being at the grocery store, when you see those people that's like, it looks like they're lost. It looks like they don't, they don't know what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for something. They just can't find it. Um, they probably are looking at that label and being like, it looks kind of similar to what I'm used to, but I don't know what that is. Um, we just help people more. And so I think it's those, those eyes to just have compassion. Um, so we, we worked with all these students and we just, we just see them. They just they just don't know. Um, so even our church, we, we take students grocery shopping. Um, so we're blessed. We have we have like a little church van. And so we've got a couple of our teams that will literally take them out to the grocery stores and just help them. And, and so it's one of those things. There's lots of different ways that you can get involved. You can just support and help. And so I would say for those churches that do have universities or colleges or junior colleges in their towns, just to figure out ways that you can literally serve specifically those international students. That's awesome. That's great. So uh, hypothetical scenario here, you're sitting there uh, on your back patio, you've been smoking a brisket all day, and you have over for dinner that night, um, a, a missions pastor at a church that's new, they're just moving into that role, maybe they don't have a big budget, it's a new program. And they ask you for your most important piece of advice. Um, in getting a missions program uh, to really thrive and be healthy, uh, what are you going to tell them over while you're sitting there eating that brisket? Uh, yeah, I'm going to probably tell them a couple of things. One of the most important <laughs> things um, for me, um, I actually just had one of the, the students working at this camp just send me a text this morning. Um, it, it, just to sum it up a little bit, he's asking me, how do you still love God and follow God when things are good? Um, mm-hmm. very interesting mm-hmm. question. Um, and, and, and I think, and I think they relate. And, and what I mean by that is the most important thing, and this comes from Philippians three, um, my desire is to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. And this is the part we like to erase out of our Bibles and to share in his sufferings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that knowing Christ piece that is so crucial and important. And so for any missions pastor, I mean, I'd say any believer, we have got to focus on our life with Christ. I mean, Philippians 1, for me to live as Christ and die is gain, something I wrestled with for 20 plus years. Uh, just a short story. When I was a college student, I'm reading, I read the Bible cover to cover in about four months. I've grown up in the church, been in church since I was negative nine months old. But just God <laughs> just got to hold my heart in a new way in college just to, I need to know God's word. I need to know what he's what He's calling us to what what we're what we're supposed to or how we're supposed to live as believers and so i remember reading that um in philippians when i when i was a college student i was like i can't say that 
like, I can't say for me to live as Christ and die as gain. Like I want to get married. I want to, I want to travel the world. I want to get a good job. I want to have some money. I want to have a great family. Um, yeah, I love God. Um, I love Christ. I want to, I want to live for him. I want to, I want to serve faithfully in the church. I want to lead a Bible study, um, and, and to look at, God's word and to understand God to say, no, my heart is to know Christ. Mm-hmm. And then that second phrase of power is resurrection. I don't think we think about um, his power, like his power to raise Jesus from the dead. Um, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It literally changes everything. Mm-hmm. We, we, we oftentimes, even, even we do evangelism training, disciple making training, all that kind of stuff. And it's fascinating. We do our trainings and get people to start, Hey, share the test, share the gospel, share your testimony and try to include the gospel with that. It is fascinating how many things we forget. Um, the resurrection is mm-hmm. one of the big ones we forget all the time. We talk about mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. we talk about his love. We talk about we're sinners. We need his, his grace. We need salvation. And then we start using big words like propitiation and all kinds of good stuff. That's great and biblical and theologically correct. And yet the rest of the world has no idea what you're talking about, but there's these things that we miss. And sometimes it's the resurrection mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. it's maybe it's sin. Um, and, and, and it's trying to wrestle through those. Um, okay. No, these things matter. And so specifically kind of looking at that Philippians three, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. So I know God in a way that, no, he rose his son from the dead. Like it, he conquered death. We have life in Christ. We have life abundantly because, because of what he's done. And then also not forgetting that last set of, and sharing his sufferings. That's something we don't mm. like to wrestle through or to think through, uh, especially in our American context. I mean, this is one I think talking about being a missionary for so long. We know suffering for better, for worse. And it's not that people aren't suffering in America. They totally are. We just put our masks on when we come to church and we just don't like to talk about it, except for on social media. We'll throw up everything there. That's a weird <laughs> context, but that's fine. Um, but it's, it's, it's the reality that no suffering is real. And, and so talking to this missions pastor sitting in my backyard over a nice smoked brisket, it's no, do you know Christ? Do you know the power of his resurrection? And do we share in his sufferings? And actually the whole book of Philippians is we count it all joy. We rejoice in the Lord because he is good. It's one of those things. It's, it's probably not the most awesome text or sermon ever. Um, but it's, but it's real and it's raw. And so, so sitting across from a missions pastor or sitting across from a church planner, sitting across from a new believer, it's no, this is real. This is raw. Like it's, there is nothing greater than knowing Christ our Lord, but at the same time, life is not perfect because you come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so knowing that, that there will be trials and there'll be suffering and there'll be pain and there'll be sorrow. And yet at the same time, Paul exhorts us to rejoice, to, to, to have joy because there's nothing sweeter than Jesus Christ himself. And so anyway, so I, I would start there because it's, it's, the, it's the message I know. It's, it's the gospel I know. It's the Lord that I serve. And then from there, some practical things um, just really challenge them. I, I used these phrases earlier, but I really think intentionality and purposefulness are crucial crucial to missions. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't get beyond those. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is I, I think uh, even myself, I mean, sometimes we would come back on furlough or I'd come back and speak at a conference or speak at a church or whatever else. And, and people are just like, Oh, you're like rock star missionaries. I'm like, no, I'm just literally like Shane. Like I just, I right. answered it all. And I went to the nations and I'm not doing anything differently, hopefully than you're doing. Like I'm trying mm-hmm. to be 
faithful to my neighbors and share the gospel. I'm trying to be faithful to, to the people on the streets or the coffee shops. I'm trying to be just faithful to the Lord uh, as he's given me a mission and purpose to go to the nations. But that shouldn't be a whole lot different than what you're doing. But as I've, I've wrestled through that the last couple of years, I think what has set us apart is that intentionality and purposefulness. And so what I challenge people to all the time is be intentional and be purposeful. One of the illustrations I use constantly is, and God, God had to work on this in my own life. So, so, don't, so don't hear me wrong that I've got this figured out and it's like, oh, Shane's perfect. I walk in a place <laughs> and share the gospel there. No, Shane is an idiot half the time. Um, <laughs> most of the time, however you want to put that. But when I walk into coffee shops or a restaurant or whatever, am I being intentional and purposeful to talk to people? Am I being intentional and purposeful to actually carry on conversations that literally matter? And, and, and I use this example all the time, but it's like I go and get coffee constantly. I'm a coffee guy. I love my coffee. So I'm at a coffee <laughs> And, and I go in and I'm chatting with the barista. And so we're chatting it up and like, hey, how was your weekend? And, and uh, they tell me about what they did and all that. Then generally speaking, they, they came back to me and say, oh, so what'd you do this weekend? And I am very quick to say, oh, caught that Texas A&M Aggie football game. It was awesome. Um, we want to keep winning. Great. Um, went to a birthday party for my kids, had a blast. It was so much fun. And then I just kind of kind of relaxed a little bit on Sunday. Yeah, that was pretty much my weekend. Like, I'm a believer. I go to church every day and I spend three to four hours there. And yet in that brief little conversation, I can talk about football with no problem. I can talk about my boy's birthday party that they went to. No problem. I can talk about resting. I can talk about a movie. I can talk about anything. But for me to talk about church and to talk about God, it's like, oh, what are they? What are they going to think about that? Like, are are they going to think I'm weird? Like, are, do they even know what a Christian is? Like, how how, how is that going to work out? And we have literally muted our mouths, and we mm-hmm. do not openly talk about God. Mm-hmm. Christianity, simple things. Now that's not even the gospel. That's literally just saying, I went to church on Sunday and it was great. I got to be with some of the, my, my best friends in the world. I, I got to, to worship and to hear this, this great sermon. Like it doesn't matter how we say that, but are we willing to just have normal conversations with people about God, about the gospel, about church, about my life? And so my life is all about living for Christ. Then why can't I verbally communicate that to others? in a simple, normal way, like I can about football or I can about sports or I can about whatever else that is. And, and, and I look at that and I'm like, that is a tragedy for the American church. Um, and so my challenge is looking back to that purposefulness and intentionality, challenge your church to learn how to live on mission everywhere they go. Um, and, and it goes back to that that's honestly what what sets some of us apart is is no I'm intentional when I walk into a coffee shop um, and and so with that comes I would definitely say it, prayer's got to come with that like I've got to make sure that in my car drive over there that I'm praying or if I'm walking I'm praying that in the mornings I'm praying at night I'm praying when I'm taking a shower I'm praying that 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 my wife and I have learned that I've got we've got to be in prayer constantly I mean first Thessalonians pray without ceasing uh, again don't take mm-hmm. that little phrase in the Bible like no, pray without ceasing. Yes, there's times for, for longer prayers. There's times for really seeking the Lord, but also all the time are we praying, God, give me opportunity to speak to people. So again, going back to this amazing brisket, smoked brisket we're having and just chatting, I really <laughs> would challenge um, people just to, how does it look like to be intentional and purposefulness um, as we live on mission for Christ? 
Shane's experience as a missionary allows him to share a unique take on how churches here in the U.S. develop their missions program. Here are some key takeaways from this week's episode. First, missions ministry works best when everything is done for a reason. Shane calls this purposefulness and intentionality. Every decision you make as a missions pastor should be through the lens of how something fits within the specific vision God has given you and your church for outreach. Second, as you consistently communicate that vision to your church, encourage everyone in your church to live it out In their daily lives, missions isn't just about what happens across the ocean. It's just as much about what happens in the grocery store or with international students in your own community. And finally, it's crucial for you as a missions pastor and for those you serve in your church to keep the main thing, the main thing, the Shane's encouragement for us to remember the importance of daily walking with Christ is something that all of us need to remember. I want to thank Shane for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. If you want to learn more about Central Baptist Church, go to centralbcs.org. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. The show is presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org slash partnership.